Thank you very much. Y'all look so beautiful. <laughs> I have never been to Idaho. Is that how you say it? <laughs> uh, this is my first time, and um, God called me here because I was the last one to sign up for this trip. And when my name popped up in invitations, I was like, um, God, are you calling me to Idaho? Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, he did uh, by showing me a sign about my, above my hat. Uh, my bedroom, it have uh, like a light, you know, and it keep flashing. And so um, I tried to change the light bulb, and then I changed the light bulb, but the light bulb wasn't out. So I put the light bulb back in, and it's still working. And I knew then that I need to come here to share the gospel and share the testimony to you all, Okay. Um, first of all, I want to pray and thanks this church, this wonderful church, and you got an outstanding pastor here, I'm telling you. Um, yes. <laughs> he works so hard together, you know, you don't know behind the scene or anything, and gather all these things together, and the Collins, he did too, and then all these little maps and little details just to get us out here and, and supply the food for us and a room, a roof on our head, you know, and just everything. And I really, really uh, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. But let me pray with you, and, and then we'll stop, okay? Father God, I thank you so much. I am so blessed to be here in a place called America. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the pastor and the, all the workers in with him. Lord, just lift them up, encourage them in a way, in a mighty way. Lord, as we, Team 8, international team, of eight people leave, but we leave them with everything that we have tried and plant in here in Idaho and just give them the strength to do what they need to do. Lord, just nurture the seed that's going to grow. Lord, also, I thank you for all the blessing that you have given us this past few days and many more. Lord, we could not ask any better. The weather's great. The food's good. Lord, we just can't thank you enough. You are such a God of all, King of King. Lord, you just, if everybody can just see that. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Like John said, you love us first for everything we do. We appraise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. Now, everybody have a Bible, right? Right? 
Now, if you do have a Bible, I would like for you all to open the first Peter 3, 14 and 15. And my Bible is a NIV. And I'm going to read to you all what those two verses mean to me as my story's going to start in the second. If you get to the place, here is 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but for you, in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to, set, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. Thank you, Lord, for reading your word. Now, as you all can tell, I don't look like one of you, right? <laughs> uh, I was born in Cambodia back in 1965. And now you all know how old I am, right? Just calculated out. How I came to know Christ is amazing, how God worked in my life. You see, in Cambodia, they have a tradition. They still do. Women is just the lowest. Men is in a higher pedestal. Women is to sew off, well, I use the word sew, the word to be married off. So, arranged marriage, right? Well, my grandmother have three little girls. Her husband passed away with some kind of cancer. And so she had three little girls. She couldn't do much with the three little girls. And she had like a, an acreage of land because her man's not in the home now, so she can't till the land as, as fast as she could do. So as soon as my mother was old enough to be married, it would be arranged to get married. So my mother was a beautiful woman, jack black hair, light skin, very, very beautiful. No, uh, everybody that see her just couldn't believe it, you know, and lived just like uh, red, cherry, just like Snow White, basically, yeah. And so she was arranged to marry this man, but she don't know what he looks like or anything, but she was obeying her mom wish. And she was like around 15, 16 years old. And um, they having a party for her on that village. And that party is an engagement party, and it go all week long, you know. They, they not like over here two hours and floating and going home, right? <laughs> so on another village in Kapongjam, in Cambodia, the town named 
Gabong Jam, a man, a man named Lim Bak El. He heard about her beauty. He just couldn't believe that everybody's talking about this woman. He said, you know what? I'm going to go over there and see what she looks like. He wasn't invited to the body, okay? So he sneaked on into that village, and he saw her, and he fell in love with her. And he said, I'm going to marry her. So he got the nurse to poach my grandmother and said, I'm going to marry your daughter. And my grandmother's like, are you crazy? She's getting ready to be married in a couple of days to this rich man. What do you have to offer me? My father said, I don't have anything. I'm a pleasant man. But I work hard. I can work really hard. But you see, when a woman being married in that country, you automatically belongs to the male side family. You do not come back. So my grandmother thought, if he was going to take my daughter, how I'm going to do with the the other two? I'm still, you know, I'm still not in the good health to work on a yard and all that, the, the garden and all of that. He said, she said, I'll make a deal with you. If you stay in this family when you marry my daughter, then I have a man in a house so nobody looked down on me. Well, that was no no on his part. He said, I don't think my parents would, the whole village would disown me. She said, take it or leave it. Well, when he did tell his parents, and guess what? They disowned him, and the whole village disowned him. So, well, guess what happened? Boom, 1965, here I am. <laughs> it seemed like my mom had a baby one after another, and it was five of us. I had two brothers and two sisters. Mang was the closest one to me, nine months apart. And so the closest one to me was, I, you know, Mang and I, we are always running around and play. We got two acres of land. We work and we till the land, you know, and uh, all the little kids in the, uh, helping out. And what I'm saying about the two acres of land is we plant rice. So we harvest rice. And so, you know, the rice process is a long way, you know, to get uh, harvest and, and get all the money that you can with two acres of land. That's it. So my dad thought, well, you know, this is going to be a very hard work because it's going to take a while because I have all these young kids and I got two sister-in-law that get ready to get married. So, um, and then I won't have nobody really help me at all, you know. And so he thought one day, he thought maybe he purchased an animal to help him out. So he did. My brother and I, Mang, we can see the animal coming. 
And that little animal come, you know, with the trunk and just blowing up the air and everything else. And I saw it with my big eyes like, oh, an elephant. Yay. And my brother was running to the elephant and I running to the elephant. And my dad said, now, Siv and Mang, it's not your pet. You understand? <laughs> you got to train it to work the field. You understand? And we say, yeah, we understand. You know, but of course, you know, we play with them too. And so my dad said, well, you got to name your elephant because you, every pet you have to ha have a name. So my brother and I look at each other and we said, her name will be Poo Poo. P-U-P-P. P-U-P-U. Poo Poo. So Poo-Poo will come along with us. Now, he, she was a little baby, but as you grow, they are so smart animal. They will not let you get hurt. They won't, I mean, they, I mean, they're just so smart. And, and they also help you, uh, she, she'll use her trunk to, get, to pick up all the logs for us, to move out of the way, and so that we can uh, get to the grass and all that. And sometime at nighttime, uh, we don't have a bed. We don't, you know, the, if y'all see anything like, um, like the Discover Channel and uh, have the house that have the, 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 the grass and everything, that's what our house looks like. And we're usually hanging the little uh, thing to, to sleep on. And so um, at nighttime, I will sleep on Poo Poo Billy. And so Poo Poo will cover me with her ear, okay? And sometimes my brother will sneak together and we'll cover like that. But we didn't know any better. But that was just, you know, our pet, you know? That was our pet. So as our life was going on, thing was going. And so, you know, my dad's always curious. There's something got to be out there more than what he's been doing. He was just always curious. And he said, you know, our kid's not going to have any education and don't have anything at all because we were poor, because all the rich kids were able to be educated and still does now these days. If you're poor, you only get education if your family was able to educate you. So my dad thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe one day, I can go if I make enough uh, money out of these uh, rice that I collected. Maybe I can go to uh, Phnom Penh, which is the capital of Cambodia, to exchange good, like, you know, sugars and all things like that. So we work and we work. And, of course, my two aunts, they got married. And my mom's sister... So they don't belong to the family anymore. So they left to their, the man, you know, the man owned them now. And so just my brother, my two brothers, my two sisters, my grandmother, my mother, and my father. So living Kapung Jam, okay, I'm going to quiz you all. <laughs> so the town named Kapung Jam, and so... He thought, well, you know, maybe, just maybe, if he have enough rice to take 
to the place. Maybe he can get some notebooks or anything like that for Siv, which is me. And so um, one day he decided that he have enough rice. So he got two big, I think it's at least 100 pound rice. 200 pounds rice. And so um, he take poo-poo with him. He asked permission, my grandmother said, he's going to go. It's going to take a while because from Kabungjam to Phnom Penh is the capital. Kabungjam is just a little village. So let me um, tell you how many miles. It's at least uh, a thousand miles. Okay? So it takes a while. It's on foot. Okay? So... He gone, he asked my dad, uh, he asked my, uh, my dad asked my grandmother, say, if he can go, and my, my mother said, we all say, yeah, sure, so we make a list for him, telling him what we want, and I want me a little doll, and I want me some sh- a candy pop, and all that stuff, and my grandmother make a list for him, and all that, uh, want some sugar, and want some things to sew for the kid, and all that, well, my mom said, well, if you find a pair of nice shoes, you know, you can bring me one. So um, anyway, so he got the list, and off he go. And I believe that it probably took him about three months. I don't know how long it is. I was young, you know, five, six, you know, seven. And so um, as he got to Phnom Penh, he had... Phnom Penh is the capital, and it has so many people and traveling and all that stuff. It has a little bitty store and all that. And so he was going to exchange goods at one of this certain store because he can get more out of it in that store. So anyway, he heard these, this sound, and he heard the words Jusu. He said, oh. My goodness, how beautiful that is. I never heard that such a name or such a sound. He said, let me just go in there and see. He set his two bag of rice, a hundred pound each, outside. He ran on into the store. And then... The people were sitting like in a circle, and they was talking, and they had the book open up. He didn't know what it is, the book. And they began to tell the story, and they start to where, now, would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? And he jumped up, and he said, yes, I would. And the man said, now that you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I notice you all worship Buddhists, and those little statues, you need to clean your house out because you cannot serve other God but Jesus. He's the only true God. And he said, no problem. All these years, I've been wondering why those little chubby men keep sitting in my house. (laughs) 
He didn't do me no good. So he was so excited. He was, he, he was just all pumped up. He was just like so excited. He heard it. And he heard, not just because they asked him to, he heard uh, evidently those people was telling him story after story. Because I don't know how many hours he spent with those people. Okay? Because he heard all them stories. How can he, how, how do I know that? Because later on I learned that he was telling me these stories that he heard. And he didn't even have the book. So he had to be spending many hours with those people to heard Jesus walk in water. Jesus feed thousands or thousands of people, 5,000 with two fish. And he had to be spending that many hours with them. So he was so excited. He got his two bag of rice, take poo-poo, back home to the village called Kabungjam. And so he went back home. And when he come home, we can see poo-poo coming. And dad's coming. And we all running to him. And we was like, uh, where's our stuff? <laughs> and he's like, we don't need all that stuff. I got something good to tell y'all. And my grandmother looked at him and said, I told you he was crazy. (laughs) So that night, that night, he said, you know, cook us some rice. And we did. And we're sitting on a campfire. Our family's right in a circle. The fire's burning. And he, I was sitting on the right hand on my dad. My brother, Mang, sitting on the left hand. And we all were just sit there. And he began to tell the story. He told the story about the people were telling him about Jesus. How Jesus, well, when you get saved, you have eternal life, your soul. One day, all your family... You will see your family in heaven. And he began to say, you know, if we get down or we sad, the people told me we get down on our knee and we pray and God hear us. And then he began to tell me and he said, you know, they said this book, you read God's word. But Siv, I promise you, I will try to get one of that book for you one day. I said, yes, I want to learn how to read. I want to learn how to do all that stuff. I said, please, please, Dad, you go back. You got to go back and get these people, you know. And um, he's like, yes, we will. I will. I will one day when, we, uh, when, when, we get another, when I get another chance. So as we was going, lives began, you know, to change. You see, I have not seen my dad smile as much as he used to be. And ever since he got saved, it was totally different from him. He used to be a smoker because I remember the cigarette on him. No more for him. And he was so happy. You know, even though if we've done something wrong, he's like, it's okay. And my mom said, no, you got to spank them. (laughs) He said, I will talk to them, you know, and all that. But it was just like the changing in him. It just so... uh, it just, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, it's a change in him. He was just so happy. And, of course, in our house, we got rid of all the little chubby man. 
called Buddhas, you know? Yeah. But there was one thing that Dad said we have to keep a secret. Because, you see, Buddhas at that time was 99.9% Buddha. If they found you, if the village found out that you believe in a different God, you get punished. So Dad said we had to keep it as a secret for now. But we can pray. Close our eye and pray or open your eye, my dad said. Said that that's what the people taught him. I said, okay, okay. So all of us were safe. My grandmother, my, I, I guess we're safe because that, you know, we agree with the same prayer that my dad was repeating after the missionary was doing. So as we were going, Vietnam's war was still going on. We didn't know. We don't have television or anything. You know, back then, back in the 70s, you don't have any of that stuff. Like, you know, like these days, okay? So we don't know what's going on anything. So my dad thought, you know, he has saved up a little money now. So he, he thought maybe we can just move closer to Phnom Penh. So he can get a glimpse of these people again. Maybe he can get a book for Siv. And maybe she can go into the education, you know, give, get, give education for me and my brother, Maine. So we did. As we moved, we sold everything, which we didn't have much anyway from the beginning. And <laughs> so we just, you know, just packed along and then went closer to Phnom Penh. Now, when I say closer to Phnom Penh, remember I said a thousand miles? We moved 700. It's 300 miles before Phnom Penh, okay? And that place called Bactamong, Bactamong. Kapong Cham, Bactamong, Phnom Penh, <laughs> okay? And so anyway, we, as we were moving there, we settled down. Our house was different now. Our house had those uh, uh, center block. We had to rent it and all that stuff, and, and, and we was just, you know, just... Um, you know, my dad had to look for works, and my mom, of course, keeping up with the kids and all that. And my dad was hoping that, you know, he can get up to meet those people again and get a glimpse of those people. Maybe he can ask some more questions and all that. And at that time, they didn't, he, they didn't have any pastor out there or trying to ministry or anything. So, you know, he didn't have any tool or anything. So, anyway... Um, Vietnam War ended. Well, all the American troops was pulled out. They didn't want to do nothing with a small country. Okay? Vietnam was really awful anyway, so they didn't want to pull all the troops out. Well, poor part, if y'all have any history, they probably don't put him on there. I don't know. Poor part decided that all the American troops are going to pull out. Let's take over the country. Like what just happened now, right? So he came in. He started out from village to village. Taking children. Taking adult. Taking education man. Taking smart woman. All that. Well, when they came to the village, to the place where we were at, 
I thought it was a parade. Because I thought it was like, you know, in Vietnam, you know, everybody said, oh, yeah, like a parade. So we always just, you know, I, my brother and I was playing. And we were playing in, in a, like a little street thing. And my father was trying to look for a job still. And my mom, and with the little sibling, still my little sister and brothers was taking care of my grandmother. Well, when they came, my brother and I was playing in the alley, and so I saw the soldier with all these guns and these grenades and everything else, and I didn't realize what's, what's going on. And so I just thought, you know, happy with the rest of the kids. Well, they began to snatch to get, get the kids one at a time. So when they got to the kid that was a little girl, so they began to get little girls and all the little boys. Well, my dad had heard what the commotion was going on. He run as fast as he could. And so he run toward and looking through the crowd, looking for me and my brother. So when he reached us, he took out a knife. And he took out that knife and he cut all my hair off, all to just look just like my brother. Remember, Mang and I was nine months apart, and we looked so much alike. And I was crying. I was smacking his hand. I was like, why, Dad? What are you doing? Dad's like, Siv. He was shaking me. He said, Siv, things are going to happen. It's going to happen really, really fast. Do you understand me? Do you remember everything I taught you? Don't you forget. When you get sad, when you get lonely or whatever, talk to God. Do you understand me? But don't ever let them know you're a little girl. You understand me? I said, okay. And I was crying. He said, you and your brother need to stick together. No matter what happened, you and your brother stick together. You understand me? And so, one more thing. One day, someday, you will go to a place called America. I said, Dad, out in the middle of nowhere here and in, uh, in this thing, is chaos, I was like, where is America? I don't know where America is. I don't have a map or anything. He said, don't worry. One day you're going to go to a place called America. I said, okay. Okay. Suddenly they hit my dad, the soldier, and they took me and my brother to the boy's side, and all the little girls are on this side. And this is what happened. This is what I see. This little girl, about my age, about my height, and they, they drag her. I can see it now. I still can see it. They rip off her clothes, and the first soldier, and then the second soldier, and then the third. There were so many I couldn't count. I knew then that was evil. They killed that little girl. I dragged my 
my father, they drag him, and my mother, and my grandmother, and the rest of the people that was in there. And they just, you can just can hear it, the crying, the screaming, the yelling, and everything else. And if you don't follow that order, they shoot you right in front, one after another. There were so many bodies. I got taken and my brother Maine to a working camp, a little boy camp. And every night, we did not get, every day, we did not get to eat. We get up early in the morning, we plant rice. Sometime, half of my group will go dig holes, big holes, and I didn't understand what the holes for. Later on, I see bodies, one after another, in that hole. You see, my brother, he couldn't work his line of two acres of land. He couldn't work. He's so skinny. We were starving. We get just a little tiny bowl of rice soup. If we, if we don't drink fast enough, they knock it out of our hand and send you back and change you. So they beat my brother. They, he beat so badly that his back is broken. And I run toward the, where he was working. I said, Mr., Mr., please don't hurt him anymore. I will work his play and mine. Let him rest a little bit. The next thing I remember is I got hit so hard I fell in that mud and the leech got a hold of my skin. I didn't know when I woke up the leech was still there. And I was taken to the camp, back into the boy camp. And this old lady was so nice. I don't know what she did. And she took some of that leech out. One of them, it burned out. And I still have a scar in my uh, foot with the leech eat so much, sucking out so much blood. And she just had to pull it out. It was so big. And so they took my brother to a sick camp. They call it the hospital. But it's not a hospital. It's all the body just laying there with flies just eating. You see, and then if you work, if you was to obey the rules, they'll let you go see the adult camp, which I tried to obey so hardly. I want to go see my mom. I want to go see my dad. I want to go see my grandmother. I want to go see my little brother and sister. The very first time I got to see them, my little brother and sister was gone. You see, they killed them. All the babies in the hole that we've been digging. My grandmother, I don't know how she was killed. My mother, I don't know how many times she's been raped. I can see the bruise in her face. And I asked dad, 
that if you believe where's the God that we need him right now? Why? Why? Was I bad? I'll be good. My dad, he said, no, these are evil doing. He speak with a smile. He said, Siv, never, never lose your faith. Always believe that Jesus is always with you. Always pray. And one day, Siv, you're going to go to a place called America. I said, Dad, look at around us. My brother is in a sick camp. He's been beaten so badly. Soldiers is all around us. How are I going to get out of here? I don't know how to read or write. He said, no worry. <laughs> no worry. God is with you. Believe, Siv. Believe. You see, the next time I was able to go to the adult camp, my dad, my mom, she died. He had to bury her. I don't know how long that body been in his hand. And he's dying. He can tell. He said, Siv, I don't think I'm going to make it out. That had been beating me bad. I've been shot on the leg, and it's not healing up. He said, don't forget to take care of your brother. Don't leave him behind. And do you remember that you have the two aunts that got married, that live far away from us? You go find them, and they will adopt you, and they will keep you. <laughs> I say, Dad, how were I'm going to find her? I said, look around. And my dad would speak with a smile. Siv, believe, because I believe. And one day, we will see each other. He died. Now, how were eight years old? To survive in a concentration camp. At that point, you talk about angry. I've been there. I was angry. I said, God, if you're God, show me a sign. Tell me. Tell me how I'm going to get out of here. You see, a group of people, they find a, a way of escaping the plan. And so they begin to tell all of us, if you have a loved one, take your loved one and go with us. And so I went to go look for my brother. I could not find his body. I just couldn't find his body. I don't know what he, they done to his body. You see, 
there was a lady there, and she was kind enough to go around all these little dead body or half dead or getting ready to die, all these little kids. And so she's been dipping the, the moistures in their lips, and she sought my brother that morning, and she said, your brother died. You need to go on. If you get a chance to get out, you need to go. You need to go. I didn't know what to do. I didn't see his body. I got down and prayed. I said, Lord, if you want me to leave him, I understand. But my father told me not to leave him. But I don't see the body. Lord, tell me what to do. The Lord gave me a sign. Told me, leave with these people. So we left and we run as fast as we could run. Okay? We run to a place called Simnip. It is the mountain between Thailand and Cambodia. And if you get across Thailand, you are free. But see, it's not that easy. The bottom of that mountain, it has landmines everywhere. So a group of us, maybe 200, we sit there in that mountain simnip and sit there. People were starving. Little baby was crying. I can see a mom didn't want the soldiers to know till she put her hand on top of the baby, smuggled that little baby just to survive herself. I look around. I didn't want to live. Why? Why am I the only one? As I was sitting there praying on that mountain, and I hear this little helicopter or some sort and dropping a little package or stuff like that. And then suddenly the soldier was coming after us. Coming, they know we escaped. So it had been taking a couple of days and they're coming after us. And so I, I was so scared and I squatted out. I was just like in that little jungle area and I was just holding down my hand together and I would just put my, my head, my hand on my ear and everything was going on so fast. Bullets was flying and so fast. Out in the middle of nowhere, this man scooped me up, turned around, shooting the soldier right behind me. And when I see that he just carried me, and then when I see on his shoulder, and guess what I see? Red, white, and blue with stars all over it. And I didn't know what it is. It was so shiny, so beautiful. I didn't know. I didn't know who he is, what he is. He looked at me, I looked at him, and he was scared. I was scared. All I know is that he had this little backpack behind him with this little antenna sticking out or something. And he was running, and he was shooting at the soldier at the same time. We run as fast as we could. He got me to a place in Thailand, refugee. He sat me down, gave me something to eat, and I knew he was good. He could have grabbed any other kids, but he grabbed me. He patted my head, 
and smiled at me and said, everything going to be okay, the way his expression. I took the package from him, and he was disappeared. I was 14 years old in a refugee camp, Thailand. And you know, God worked a mysterious way. The aunt that my dad talking about, she was in the same camp, refugee camp. She went to go wash some clothes, and her um, friends are all around it in that little river there, and waited to be waited to be sponsored by a church or someone will take her to America. And this lady that I've been tagging along with just happened to mention my name. She said, I feel sad for this person. I don't know if it's a little girl or a little boy, but her name is Lum Sulan. My aunt said, excuse me? What is that name again? Lum Sulan. Wait a minute. That's my niece. No one had that name because my, my mother named her. So she came. And look at me. See, at that time, I still recognized her. But I grew a little bit. Still skinny, but grew a little bit. And she said, let me make sure that you say that you say who you are. Tell me a little story about your family. And I did. And then she said, what does your name mean? I said, my name means, still mean, it's a rare flower. It's a flower that you couldn't find between Cambodia and Vietnam. She said, you know, you're correct. Because only our family know that. She said, I got two little girls right now. My husband and I was able to pay off the soldier. You see, she married to a wealthy family. And we were able to survive. No worry. You're going to be one of our child. And the Five of us, we're going to go to a place called America. <laughs> and I said, that's what my dad said, that you will accept me as your daughter and that, that we're going to go to a place called America. She said, he's a wise man. You see, back in 1979, a church in North Carolina is a, is a Methodist church, United, Jefferson United Methodist Church. This lady was in a mission board, and she couldn't sit still that day. She said, Pastor Sweet, I want to adopt a family. There's something just burning my heart. God is calling me. She got her way. She said... And the pastor sweet said, you can have any family, but not Cambodia. She said, you know what? I don't want any family. I want Cambodia. I want a family from Cambodia. And this room right here, it filled with little refugee family. There was thousands and thousands of pictures, of four by six little bitty pictures of family and little children. She sought me. She said, I want that family. And when people say, playing lottery, I win. 
so they adopted us, sponsored us. We came in through Charlotte. It was on the news that a family from Cambodia was sponsored by United Methodist Church in Ashe County. I came to a mountain. For all places, is a little mountain in Jefferson, North Carolina. I was nearly 15. You see, Pastor Sweet, he's like six, six. And I know Ruth was sending her daughter, she sent her daughter, Jenny Cly, to go pick us up. So we got to, when, they, when we got off the plane, and they come and get us, you know, those vans that shut, just like the one we got right here shutting back, you know? And so Pastor Sweet say, take them in there. Take them in there. So they so took them in there, and there's the other side. It was shut, too, you know, not shut, you know, two door. That's the door that, back in the day. And so they took us in there, and we came on out. And they said, and then Pastor Sweet, we keep going around, you know. We didn't know what to do. And so Pastor Sweet said, stop them. Janie, you stop them on that side, and I stop them on this side. <laughs> so it took us about 20, 30 minutes to get us down and book us out. And so we, <laughs> it was so, uh, it, it, you know, and they'd say, you know, they, they don't speak, our, we couldn't speak the language, we, you know, and they couldn't speak our language, so all we do is just like eye contacts and hand and things like that. And so he knew we were hungry, so he stopped at this, I don't know what's the name of the place because at the time, and so he stopped at the place and he ordered everybody a burger. And so, you know, his hands is like this big. So he began, I sit next to him. And so he opened his hand up and he opened the burger up and he squeezed this little red bottle and they squeeze on it. <laughs> and he smushed them together and he smashed, smashed, smashed. And then he took a big old bite on it and he said, mm, 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 mm. And so he pointed at me and he pointed at everybody else to do the same. So I began to do the same thing he was doing. So I smashed the mush together and pick up the thing and, and, and take a first bite and say, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> that was my first experience about burger. You see, we came in July, and my birthday's on September 18. And so they put me in school. I have to learn uh, ABC one, two, three, just like the kindergarten. And so uh, I didn't bring no PowerPoint because uh, anyway, I think it's the will me here, you can see that. And so uh, I have to learn the very first book, okay? My very first book wasn't the Bible. My very first book was Run, Spot, Run. <laughs> Over and over and over and over. Within six years, I graduated from high school. I wanted to learn because I wanted to read God's word. And then I was able to go to college. I went to college at Wilkes Community College. And then I went to Appalachian, 
didn't finish Appalachian. That's another story I can tell you later. But I did finish the two-year program. So all that time, I met my husband in college in uh, the two years in Wilkes Community College. And I was telling somebody earlier, and for the time, I'm going to shorten it up, and uh, we were studying uh, uh, in the uh, Eaton area, the common area, and he keep coming around, coming around, coming around, and, uh, and uh, he rolled his sleeve up, you know, he thought he was enough, and, uh, and he asked me if I want to go to a Halloween dance. And I said, are you asking? And he said, he looked around, he said, seems to me I am. <laughs> so um, we went to that first dance ever since that. Um, we've been married for 32 years, 31 years, 31 years. We got two wonderful kids, a boy and a girl. Their name is Tia and Ty. Ty, my son, has been married for two and a half years now. Uh, uh, he's an engineer for some landscape company or something, and my, and my daughter's Tia, she uh, lives in D.C. She's not married, uh, so um, um, they both successful, and I'm just briefly, and I wanted to tell you this because God is so good. How do you think that how, God planted my life every little steps. Who or were will know that I stand right here to in front of you right now, a place called America, that my dad been mentioning it to me, that one day you're going to go to a place called America. And I believe that he believed that America is like heaven to him. <laughs> you know, I think it's a little heaven if we treat it like a heaven. And he believed that our Lord Jesus Christ is only God can save you. The only God will give you eternal life if you believe in Jesus. He only heard it one time. He accepted. And he gave that to his family. I'm not picking on men, but you're the father figure. Your family going to watch what you do. And lead the family. My dad, I just don't know what to say. One day, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him. I'm going to stand right there where Jesus going to say, okay, Lim Bak El, you've been my disciple. So share. Share about good news. You never know who is listening. Because once you heard that beautiful name, Jesus, you're curious. You want to know just a little bit more, and then a little bit more, then a little bit more. It take you to have eternal life. And 
I am done because I want to see if anybody remember. I'm going to quiz <laughs> some of y'all, if y'all can remember. And then I will write the book. I mean, sign the book for you. You will win as a book, the book. And let me tell you just briefly a little bit about the book. You see, I could not finish the book until my first mission trip. I'm going to have, uh, let me see, I have just a little bit more time. And let me tell you a little bit my first mission trip, okay? You see, I was giving a speech just like this. A lady named Donna Freeman, she invited me to meet her group. And this is, was in uh, August, October, the team was leaving to Cambodia. And, and she, after my speech, and she shake my hand, she said, I want you to come and meet my team. Please come, the IC team. And I said, no, no, thank you. I have no part for it. She called again. I said, no. She called third time. And I told my husband, I said, I think she's a stalker. <laughs> and my husband said, no, why don't you, this is a sign for you, Siv. Why don't you just go to the meeting? They ain't going to hurt you, take you a knife or something. <laughs> I went to that meeting, Jeff and Jody Chatwood house. He pulled out a map after I tell my testimony. He pulled out a map. He said, where are you going? What did you, where did you left last? I said, Simnip. He said, you know what, Siv? We're going to Simnip to share the gospel. Oh, my body was chilled that night. And I said, I denied again. I said, no, thank you. I went to work. The next day, I got a phone call. I don't know how they got my number. <laughs> they got my phone call. Isn't that God's signs? He's like, a guy named Scott Holbert, he said, Siv, we got your money raised. All our team already have our plane ticket. Now you got your ticket. You going. I was like, What? No. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I, I'm, I'll go tell my boss. I'm, I just started a new job, by the way, six months. And I told my boss, I'm going to Cambodia. And he said, okay. <laughs> and um, so I accepted that. And I went. I, I, I was by myself because I was the last one. I had to ride by myself. And when I got there, they teamed me up with a, a, a guy named Jake uh, Ram. And so the two of us went to the first, I just wanted to really hurry, and, I and the two of us together, and we went to the first church. And as I was telling, telling my story and my testimony, a man patted my shoulder and said, Siv, I'm, sister, I'm sorry. I was one of the soldiers that killed so many. My very first mission trip my very first church, my very first sharing. Jake didn't know what I'm going to do, slap him or what. He was so silent. He was like, oh, my goodness. 
And, he, and I said, you know, brother, I have forgive you. Jesus have forgive all our sin as we was washed. I have forgive you. You know, when I say that, I was so peaceful because, and he was so peaceful. I can see the look on him because I can see that, 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 that look on him that he wasn't happy or anything. So he said, thank you. I have accepted Jesus seven years ago, and I am going to try to be a preacher, trained to be a preacher. When I got back to USA, that's when I finished the book. And the book named A Teenager Survival by Siv Ashley. It's been selling really good. It go, all the profit go back into the mission fields. Now, I'm going to quiz you. Now, hmm. Chloe, what did I said about the first time my dad heard the gospel at? At the store, but where the capital, the name of it? Bing? Yay! You get a book, and I'll sign and get it to you. Here's another one. In what year did I come to United States? I mentioned it. Oh, y'all get a book, I guess. <laughs> That's right. That's why I thank you. Thank you, y'all, so much. And, you know, I, I run it through real fast, and I want Pastor Mickey come up here. Thank you so much, Pastor. Pastor, you, you have done so much for my te- our team, I see, and everything else. I couldn't. Uh, uh, if y'all, after work, if y'all have more questions to ask me, I'll be happy. I'll be standing around to answer any question you have for me. Okay? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.